Johnny, you know one of our favorite places to drink beer right here in town is the Handlebar, but do everybody who doesn't know about the Handlebar a favor and tell them what the heck it even is. Well, if you don't know about it, you're living in crazy town. But if you do know about it, you're probably living right here in Chico town. That was a terrible joke, but I'm going to stick with it. Go for it. Uh, The Handlebar is a fantastic craft beer and wine and cocktail bar that we like to frequent. They got an awesome happy hour seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get a dollar off all 28 options of draft beer. Mm. They've got a dog-friendly patio for when it's not too smoky, and they have a child-family friendly everything everywhere bring your kids bring it's your friendly dogs. for everybody it's just a friendly place it's a great little neighborhood bar we both like it 2070 east 20th street you should go give them a try tell them max and johnny thing why don't we begin Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie show based right here in Chico, California. I'm Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Thanks again for being here with us. This week on the show, we have our review of Werewolves Within. It's a new-ish June. June came out. A comedy horror film by director Josh Rubin starring Sam Richardson as Ranger Finn Wheeler, who's recently relocated to the snowy town of Beaverfield. Shortly after his arrival, a local dog goes missing and things kind of only get stranger from there <laughs> that's right this week we have beers that were retrieved from the source that's right our young max went up to crux fermentation up in bend oregon and brought back some beers for the show we're going to be covering a pilsner and a stout this week yeah if you're listening on kzfr 90.1 fm all you're going to get the chance to hear is our discussion of that first beer that pilsner that johnny mentioned and the spoiler free portion of our discussion of werewolves within uh, also, if you want to hear the whole conversation, mm. plus more than 200 other podcasts, going all the way back to 2016, you can find them at any of the following places. Yeah, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, we are on Apple Podcasts, we drop new episodes every Friday morning at 7 a.m. If you do like the show, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and possibly a review if you feel like you want to leave us some well-worded compliments. We super appreciate it. It really helps people discover our show. It's like search movie, beer, podcast. The more reviews we get, the more likely we are to show up in front of people's eyes. So please don't hesitate. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you are so inclined. Follow us on the gram or the letterboxed for movie stuff and untapped for Mm -hmm. beer stuff. And all those are at Fresh Hop Cinema or our website, freshhopcinema.com. Yeah, if you've done all that and you're still like, self, how can I get even more involved with Fresh Hop Cinema? Well, tell you what, friends, you can just send us a good old-fashioned email, fhccast at gmail.com for any well wishes or or critiques, or if you agree or disagree with what we've said about movies and beer, we promise we will read that email. We'll warm up a little bit inside of our toasty little hearts, and we might even read it on the show. Yeah, if I didn't get to talk to you every week, I'd be emailing you constantly <laughs> with all my disagreements. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, Johnny Summers, would you please tell people that don't know, and even reaffirm the people that do know, why what Patreon is and why it's so awesome? Yeah, Patreon is essentially how we keep the show going it is a way for fans of the show to financially support us for as little as one dollar an episode you're going to get access to a ton of content we do bonus content every single week we also have a tier in our patreon where uh, a lucky patron gets to record with us and they get to pick a movie and we get to break it down we did that just this last week with one mr chris chris gomez so thanks for Doing that, Chris, we sat down and had a a real nice chat about his favorite movie of all time, Mm. 
Dune. Dune. So that was a lot of fun, really going deep on that. Um, but when we don't have a guest from Patreon on, it's me and Max discussing many things from top five lists to extra beer reviews to movie history and knowledge. I mean, we 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 cover a ton of stuff, and it's a it's a fun time. So if you're not on Patreon, you should check that out. We also do fun events, and we have merch, and it's just, you know, endless entertainment. Yeah, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too hard, but I really do feel like we're being very consistent and kind of, kind of crushing it on the Patreon side of things. Like we mentioned last week, we had a virtual movie night. Um, and yeah, the, the chat you just mentioned with our friend Chris Gomez just dropped on Patreon. It was an hour long. And we talked about, yeah, the original Dune, which I had never seen. We talked about fan cuts of that movie. We talked about the upcoming movie Dune, which we'll cover on the show. Um, it's just in general a pretty good time. So again, just go to patreon.com slash Cinema, And for like, yeah, a buck a week or or the cost of a cup of coffee every month, you can really make a difference in, in us keeping the show going. So we'd appreciate it. With that, Johnny Summers, you mentioned I both picked out and picked up the beers for this week's show. So I feel like I've done my fair share of work. So I would be honored if you would tell me about uh, what we're drinking first and where it where it came from. Yeah, man, we're doing Crux. It's one of my favorite breweries to both visit and consume mm. uh, up in Bend, Oregon. I really like their facility a lot. I've been there several times. I'm super stoked that you got to go there and check it out. Hopefully you were able to catch a sunset. Um, now, was this your first time at Crux? No, and I think you and I, we've covered Crux on the show a little bit. I didn't do enough digging to to exactly remember which episodes, but I've only been a couple times, and I agree with you. It's such an awesome stop, but when I was in Bend, it was pretty smoky. Um, the whole, basically the entire West coast is pretty smoky. It seems like these days, but, um, it's a wonderful spot, man. They've got this huge lawn spread out for those that haven't been there. Um, and, a, and almost like a three section to tap room. Like you go in, there's a big long bar and then there's a whole nother seating area on either side. And then there were like four food trucks outside. It was really awesome. Um, and then sh- they had all their beers set out and sure enough, I was like, okay, I think I texted you like, Johnny, can we get beers for the show? <laughs> and you were like, yeah, buy, buy a bunch of beers. Um, we actually drank one with with our friend Chris the other day. Um, but this is one that I saw because I know Crux does such great stuff. I thought a true test of their abilities would be their Pilsner, which I had never had before. Yeah, and I had, and I'm super familiar with. That, of course, is Crux Pils. It is a 5.2% Pilsner. So very stoked to do this one. I'm familiar with this beer. I love it. Uh, I'm assuming this is from their website. I Mm -hmm. will give you a little bit of a background on this beer. Uh, This is a Pilsner that your stern grandfather would approve of. Brewed with traditional Pilsner malts, imported Czech saws, and local Oregon sterling hops, this Pilsner's first sip shows up with clean lager flavors and then opens up with surprising complexity and softness, developing biscuity flavors, spicy herbal notes, and a hint of lemon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Johnny, you're a, a, you're a fan of, of Pilsners, of crispy beers, of, of really light yes. lagers. Um, I am too, though. I think I'm less versed than you are most of the time. My go-to Pilsner is, and I think maybe yours too, is the Trumer Pilsner from, from Berkeley. And it's very rare that I find another Pilsner that is clean enough and straightforward enough and tasty enough to rival that one. But on my first drink of this thing, I think this one is going to come close. Absolutely, especially when this beer is fresh and it's been stored properly. I mean, this is a crispy, punchy, bright. I mean, this is like a shiny beer. If if a yeah. beer could yeah. taste shiny and just like glimmering, I feel like this beer is that. It really just brightens up the day and your mood, and it's just such a pleasant drinking experience. It's clean and refreshing, and it's got like a nice hop punch. It's not just you know yellow water it's actually got some really nice beer flavor to it 
Uh, that's, you know, the kind of benchmark of an actual more of a craft style sure. Pilsner. Like it's, it has complexity. It has layers to it. It's not just super straightforward. I mean, there's a few places doing lagers that I will tout. Um, obviously, Trumer. Ennegrin. Uh, and Ennegrin. Yep. Ennegrin is the best Man. lager brewery maybe in America. D- yeah, I, I mean, I, certainly I, on the West Coast. I, I would think, I think it's up there. Yeah, I absolutely rave about their beers, and I think we've turned a few people onto them just from this show. And I know we've drank their beers together, but yeah, um, that yeah, that's a some- minor, minor call to action. If you are like a brewer listening in, in the Midwest or something, and maybe your beers haven't gotten to us, and you want to challenge our claim that that some of these breweries that are closer to us are the best, and you want to send us your beers, please reach out. We can we can make that happen. I will gladly drink your beer. <laughs> I think you're right, man. Shiny is a good word for this. I can I can picture Tomatoa just drinking cans and cans of this Pilsner. It's tasty, dude. There's like, there's there's a spiciness that I really appreciate in a traditional Pilsner, and it's not front and center. It's kind of like they said in their description. It's it's just just kind of right in the back end there, and there's a hint of lemon, like that herbal kind of brightness is so I think integral to a full Pilsner drinking experience. Like it's fine to have a sweet one or like a hoppy Pilsner if you're into that. But as far as like traditional, straightforward German Pilsners go, like this, I mean, this this is hitting all the marks for sure. Yeah, this is a tremendous beer. Uh, I've had this beer, unfortunately, like sometimes when it gets down to Chico, it sits around for too long. This is definitely a a best fresh situation. I mean, this one was canned within the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it was very, very fresh. And obviously from the source, you you expect that. But no, it's quite a treat to be able to drink this beer this fresh and nice and cold and delicious. I I really like it. I mean, it's it's a prime example of what a, a Pilsner should be. And from a great brewery. They they do a lot of really great, you know, traditional styles. I dig a lot of their beer. And this is no exception. This this is this is a great everyday drinking beer. If I lived in Bend where I could get yeah. this fresh all the time. I would probably have a keg of it or at least a case of it in my fridge at all times. Yeah. Well, on that note, I was, so I was there in Bend for a wedding. I had a wedding the next day. So I stopped at Crux the day before and I was like, well, I'm just going to like finish up my, my notes. I, if you don't never heard the show before or don't know me, I play music for a living. So I, I travel a bit and I was like, all right, I'm going to get my notes ready. And I asked the bartender, I was like, Hey, well, like, you know, what's something you are proud of and, or something you enjoy to drink? He's like, try the Pilsner. I was like, fair enough. Um, and I did. And, and maybe tipping my hand even more, like, I was going to bring back maybe like an IPA and something else for the show. And then I tried this beer and I was like, oh man, like we got to get it. So I got show beers and then I got myself probably like another 12 of these. So I've had it actually sporadically over the past, uh, however long that's been a week, you know? Um, totally. It's, it's real good. I'm, I'm very jazzed about this beer. Yeah. It's a fantastic beer to just have on hand. Uh, I'm, I'm throwing out the P word probably not, not the P word, probably the P word. Perfect. Uh, it's it's pretty close to a perfect pilsner, which is a fun sentence to say. It is. It is definitely in that ballpark. Just because, I mean, it hits all the marks. It doesn't have any of the things that would detract. And I mean, like part of that is the freshness, but also it's it's an incredibly made beer. Mm-hmm. It is. It is just top notch. I mean, we we try a, a bunch of beers, and when something like this comes across and you taste it, it's like, whoa, okay, that's that's hitting different. This is uh, this is a little notch above. Yeah, I wonder. Obviously, it's a little bit too early for this sort of thing, but I wonder if there would be a long enough list of competitors for a Beer Madness 2022 Pilsner bracket. Oh, do you th- do you think we'd have enough straightforward Pilsners on the West Coast, or sort of readily accessible? We could also just change the rules. It's our it's our thing, but like, there there might be. Yeah, I think so. 
But I would be hard pressed to believe well, this wouldn't be in like the Elite Eight or something. I mean, just think about what's in Sacramento. You've got That's Bike true. Dog, New Glory, and also um, Urban Roots. Urban Roots does like four different Pilsners. Like, oh, cool. Just in Sacramento, I can think of like 10 or 12. Yeah. And then if we get stuff down from like San Diego. Yeah. And like Slice does Pilsners. Like everyone. Okay. Everyone's doing pilsners now. It's a very in vogue style. Okay. Well, I think that's let's consider this the first time we've considered pilsners for next year's beer madness. I'm into that. Okay. I thought you might be. Um, any negatives on this? I only have one can. I'll get you another one. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the biggest negative is that yeah, I mean, honestly, the twelve ounce can that I was given for the show to review is almost gone. Yeah. Okay. So then I guess then a shared sort of misery, we should mention this. I don't think this beer is available down here in Chico or probably, no, I, I mean, maybe if you live up near Bend, they might distribute a little bit. Like I saw it in a, I think a market of choice up there, but uh, mm-hmm. so, so listeners, you might also be thinking, well, this is a negative. I can't even drink this beer. You're right. I'm sorry. But again, reach out like maybe, maybe we got, we have friends in Bend. shout out to Cameron who kind of helped us hook it up with some of these beers. Um, we could, we could, we got friends in all sorts of places. So if you're interested in trying this, just reach out and we'll see what we can do. Or just travel. I mean, it's only like a five hour drive away. That's a long drive, dude. <laughs> it's it's drive. Not. And it's closer to like six and a half, I think, for me at least. Mm, Doesn't drive matter. faster. Yeah. Um, okay. In the meantime, Johnny Summers, Crux Pills out of 10. What you giving it? Yeah. I mean, like you said, the question is, is it, is it perfect? Is it the best Pilsner I've ever had? And I would say it's not, Mm -hmm. I would say it's one of the best Pilsners I've ever had. Sure. Um, but I mean, that's a wide ranging, uh, category for me. I mean, I have a lot of sample size going, so it's definitely high. Um, for me, this beer's like a like a it's like somewhere between an eight nine and a nine one. Okay, you're um, gonna have to choose. I, I predictively wrote <laughs> nine one for you, but I you, obviously you could change your mind. Yeah, no, it's a nine one nine one. Okay, so I I think the question for me is not if it's the best pilsner I've ever had, but is it a perfect pilsner? And I think yes. Like I I might be in the mood for that Trumer pilsner on a different day, which I also think is a perfect pilsner. They're both tens for me. They're not necessarily yet going head to head. So. I'm going to give it a 10, dude. I think it's great. Again, we're drinking like two and a half to three weeks fresh. It's fantastic. It was moderately priced. It's delicious. Um, I'm not getting tired of it. And it's like 80 degrees today. When I first had it in Chico, it was like 105 degrees, and it's held up over those 25 degrees of difference, which I think is an underappreciated quality in a beer. But very good. No, this is a beer that I would drink all four seasons. This is an all-season beer. Yeah. You got anything else on Crux Pills? Drink it. Uh, Once again, you are listening to Fresh Hop Cinema on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you get a chance to try Crux Pills or you've had it in the past, we want to know what you think and how it ranks in your list of Pilsners. Uh, Please reach out. Yeah, send us an email at fhccast at gmail.com or find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema. Or again, please and thank you, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. We are going to play you a trailer for a new-ish film called Werewolves Within. We'll be back to discuss it after that trailer. And if you haven't seen it, we're not going to spoil it. So don't you worry, your pretty little heads. We'll be right back. Should have packed our snowshoes. What? People do that? You know, fun fact, not only is it the oldest, but remains one of the most effective means of traversing the ice. Wow. Yeah, you're going to fit right in at Beaverfield. Everything here is a little... Questionable. Ranger! The people. The weather. Everything. 
Oh. Major, you look like you just seen a corpse. Well, the roads are effed, and something's wrong with the generator. Which generator? All of them. Make it on the internet! Uh, also, there's a dead body under your porch. Holy ah! Ah! Probably a wolf. What are you, like a wolf detective, Mel Marcus? Who knows who or when it's gonna kill next. I think we can all agree that it's unsafe outside and there's safety in numbers. Out of curiosity, who is packing? Well, we're having a good old-fashioned sleepover. With guns, though. With guns, yes. Everything about this predator is unorthodox. It's not human. It's not a canine. It's one of them. One of what? A what? Like a a werewolf. How could it gotten in here? Oh. Ah! How did it get out? Who says it got out? <laughs> Maybe. I'm a werewolf. Maybe you're a werewolf. Maybe you're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. Maybe we're all Are we really in a Mexican standoff right now? Baby, don't say Mexican. Just standoff. If you are just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft, beer, and film on KZFR 90.1 FM. Subscribe if you'd like to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear this here discussion in its entirety. It'll be available tomorrow, Friday morning at 7 a.m. Johnny Summers, what did people just hear? You just heard a trailer for Werewolves Within. <laughs> Synopsis. A snowstorm traps town residents together inside the local inn, where newly arrived forest ranger Finn and postal worker Cecily must try to keep the peace and uncover the truth behind a mysterious creature that has begun terrorizing the community. Yeah, like I said earlier, this was directed by Josh Rubin. As far as I could tell, he hasn't directed anything else. This, mo- uh, this movie is based on a video game uh, that came out in 2016. I didn't do a whole lot of research, nor have you, you've never played it, have you? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, it was like a multiplayer VR game and it was like some, it's, it's basically the same premise, except instead of people acting, you are the actors in the video game. And it's like a whodunit, like who is, who is the, the werewolf within kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. so anyways, Johnny, tell me who's in this movie and then we can kind of go from there. That's a long list. Do you yeah. want me to read the whole list? Just pick and choose and maybe, maybe describe who is who and the important characters. You don't have to go through all of these. Yeah. People. So we have Sam Richardson as Finn Wheeler, the new-to-town forest ranger. Uh, we have Milana Vantrope nice. as Cecily Moore. We have Wayne Duvall as Sam Parker. Uh, Cecily Moore is the postal worker. Yeah. And then I believe Sam Parker is the the pipeline guy. Yeah, he's the oil tycoon, <laughs> which right. is like and such a we- total video game cast now that I think of it this way. Right. And yeah. we have Catherine uh, Curtin as Janine Sherman, the resident just so happens to be like super smart scientist type character. No, no, that's she's the innkeeper. Oh, is she? Okay. Yeah. 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 There was a lot of people and a lot of names I in know. this movie. Uh and then Michaela Watkins as Trisha Anderton. Mm. Don't uh, she's Which she has she? the dog. Okay. That's how we'll do this. Why don't you yeah, let's yeah. yeah, let's do it. <laughs> George Basil as Marcus. Marcus is like a redneck dude who likes cars, doesn't like government, doesn't trust anybody, not incredibly bright. Sarah Burns as Gwen. His wife, similar. 
Michael Chernus as Pete Anderton. He is crazy Trisha's uh, husband. He's also a bit of adult. Uh, I, I would go out on a limb and say he's supposed to be kind of like a super ultra conservative caricature kind of guy. Okay. Then we had Cheyenne Jackson as Devin Wolfson. I don't remember who that person was. All right. Oh, it was. There's a couple. This, these two people are a couple. It's it's Devin and Joaquin. They are a gay couple. Yeah. Also, very yes. stereotypes. These, all these people are stereotypes. The characters of Harvey. People. Yeah, Harvey Guillen mm-hmm. as Joaquin, Joaquin Wolfson, and you will know him as uh, Guillermo from What We Do in the Shadows, the television show. Oh, cool. Okay, nice. Yeah. Uh, and the rest feel like, uh, well, maybe Rebecca Henderson is Dr. Jane Ellis. Yeah. She's the the scientist. Yeah. Although Mountain Man, and, Mountain Man Crazy Living in the Woods, uh, Glenn Flesher, Fleshler, is the character's name is uh, Emerson Flint. Yep. Okay, the most feels, Mountain Man name of all time. Right. That feels like a pretty good setup. Um, when yeah. did this movie come out, sir? Yeah. So this uh, world premiere was at the Tribeca Film Festival back in June before going straight to video on demand. And if you were wondering, it's 97 minutes long. Great length. It was, it was, I'm so, I feel like we've done so many, like this movie's two hours and 20 minutes or the fan cut of this movie's three hours and 15 minutes, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, No, yeah. I mean, no shade really, but 97 for this type of sort of horror whodunit comedy, I think is, is just about right. Yeah. Absolutely. We were uh, we were sort of scrambling last minute. This is one week, I think, over the past four plus the next four weeks in our podcast lives where we didn't have a film slated. So you picked this one. You It looked good or funny or something. Something caught your eye about it. So you chose yeah. it. So I'm throwing you on the chopping block first. What did you think of Werewolves Within Johnny Summers? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big horror fan. It's spooky season is coming. Uh, and I'm also a big fan of, of horror comedies. I think it's a fun genre when done well. So yeah, this caught my eye. The cast looked cool. And also like I knew it was based on a video game. I wasn't familiar with the video mm-hmm. game, but I knew it was, I believe, produced by Ubisoft, yeah. which is known for like Ghost Recon and a bunch of other games. Yeah. Um so as a movie, this definitely plays as a horror comedy. For me, there was a lot of tonal issues with this mm-hmm. in that um I was entertained. And it made me giggle in a couple spots, but I felt like this movie never knew which lane it wanted to be in, whether it was trying to be serious or funny or sarcastic. Uh, and the the writing never got deeper than like one-liners. To me, yeah. it really was just trying so hard to be an Edgar Wright movie um, that it just came off as almost derivative and really like try hard. And I didn't empathize with any of these characters and I didn't really get attached to any of them. It just felt shallow and um, just there wasn't much to grab a hold of in this movie. Uh, it was a fun movie. It was it had entertainment value, um, you know, but it, it shifted lanes so quickly between comedy to horror to whodunit back to comedy with a little bit of horror it just felt like this movie was like a drunk driver. It was just all over like five lanes of the freeway and it was frustrating. Um, Like I said, it was entertaining, but I really don't think I could say that it was anything close to a good movie. Um, It definitely left me wanting to watch several other movies that nailed this style a lot more effectively. So I feel like with a bit more concise writing and a bit more tonal uh, through lines uh, and some better character development, it, they could have had something great, but I feel for me, this movie was a miss. 
Yeah, the vibe that I got, in addition to like maybe an Edgar Wright uh, sort of Shaun of the Dead vibe, was a film that we covered back in like 2017. It was called uh, The Dead Don't the Die. The Dead Don't yeah, Die. Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> and like yep. that one, I don't think either of us loved, but I think we both liked it more than this based on what you're saying. And that one was still sort of like, at least it committed to kind of the dry humor thing. And I'm, I'm with you on Werewolves Within. It kind of, it does sort of switch between like scary stuff and funny stuff and and none of it goes very deep i did have high hopes like the movie starts with a mr rogers quote right which when paired with the soundtrack here makes it very ominous like that's a clever subversion of what i was expecting so like that maybe that can be good and and as the movie gets going like i I think i lost interest about 25 minutes in. like i kind of there's this sort of sequence where we meet everybody in this like eight person town i don't know how it's a full (laughs) town but it is um and like we've kind of met all the characters and it's pretty clear that that's about as deep as we're going to go with most of them. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I, you can tell if you could see my notes, I was very diligent up until uh, when we first basically meet the, the, the doctor, the, the scientist or whatever. I don't even know what she is. What is she like a biologist kind of? They listed off her credentials and she was oh, like a, right. a, a DVM, a PhD, a doctorate yeah. and of like four different things. Like they really laid it on thick that she was like the smart one. Yeah. Well, it's about the point in the movie where, where the sort of group psychosis starts setting in about like, what could be doing this. Like, we could all be this monster. And then I was like, okay, like I sort of get it. Like none of the stuff I had taken notes on before was really going to go anywhere. <laughs> so, okay. Like I've literally crossed out things in my notes. Like this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so like that sort of level, like if you like, um, the, the kind of goofy, almost background noisy stuff when it comes to movies where you don't necessarily have to focus on how much you're blinking and possibly missing. This might be, yeah. might be a decent, a decent watch. I would say it's mostly not that way. There's a couple of chuckle worthy moments, particularly in the beginning. Overall, mm-hmm. I would say, uh, I definitely won't watch it again. Don't like it too much. You could totally miss this one. Yeah, I agree. And because when you're going for a comedy horror whodunit, the whodunit part is the part where you should have to pay attention. Yeah. Uh, and there was some things where like there was you could maybe read into certain things and there was a little bit of guessing at some point, but mm-hmm. it was never, you know, I the most recent whodunit that we covered was Knives Out. And that was I, like man. so compelling and like if you're going to dabble in that style, that bar is set so high, sp- yes. specifically by recent films such as that, which, by the way, can't wait for the sequel going Dude, straight to Netflix. I just rewatched Very it. excited. I just it's re- so good. Like, like last week I rewatched I don't even know why, but I, like it popped up on my Amazon or something, and I think I'd started it one night, and I was like, no, I don't have the... Same thing, like, I don't have the attention right now to watch this, because I think that would have been my second time seeing it. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Johnson, who directed Knives Out, is so adept at sort of the misdirection that is required for a whodunit that watching knives out somehow a second time is almost better than the first time, which you don't know. Totally. Like, like I think in a, in a bad to adequate whodunit, it's like, once you know the spoiler, it's like, okay, I don't need to see it again, but knives out got so much better. And I promise you werewolves within would get worse on a rewatch. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, I had high hopes and like done better. I like this style, but this, this just wasn't it, man. It wasn't it. Yeah. They can't all be winners. No, there's a lot of throw, like a lot of the jokes in here are not necessarily complex ones. Like you said, like one liners, there's a lot of sort of also gave me vibes from that movie, the hunt with, um, oh, I'm going to blank on her name right now, but there's a lot of these sort of caricatures of caricatures that are the characters. Mm-hmm. And like, like one, one character in this movie goes, um, like he salutes with his left hand and then our, our dude calls him out on it. And dude's like, ah, never the left. My kind of guy, like, okay, we get it. Like you're whatever, like you're hammering oil gas pipelines into your front 
like the signs for them promoting them in your front yard and you don't not the left i'm a i lean right we get it like every character is that deep yeah exactly which leads me to not invest any emotion and it becomes purely just something on the tv that i have to mildly pay attention right i would go even farther and say once you are detached from the characters it puts the impetus on entertainment on Mm -hmm. like i guess on the mystery or or perhaps on the the horror elements and it's never like you're saying committed to being that scary and and it does introduce some of these things about like uh you know capitalism and and pipeline stuff obviously kind of hits home for americans like but it doesn't commit to that social commentary ever so i'm left like with basically nothing just feels like sand's falling i'm grasping and nothing's nothing's landing at all yeah no this movie tried to be three or four different things and it didn't succeed at, at any of them so okay yeah, fair enough. Well, let's give Werewolves Within an out of 10 anyways. Johnny Summers, what do you got? It's like a 3-2. Yeah, it's like a 4 for me. Those are fine. You know, I am you know, I might even... No, it's a 4. It's... Well, uh, yeah. No, I'm going to go 3. It's a 3 for me. A 3.2 for you. Slightly better, but practically speaking, basically the same numbers. Once again, you have been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema on KZFR 90.1 FM. Werewolves Within is now on VOD and in theaters if you'd like to see it. If you do get the chance to and you have thoughts of your own, find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema, or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. Or you can head over to the old website, freshhopcinema.com, for all of our film reviews, beer reviews, and full podcast episodes dating all the way back to 2016. To our KZFR listeners, the full-length version of today's conversation with spoilers will be available tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., wherever you get quality podcasts. To all of our podcast listeners, we'll be right back to talk spoilers and our second beer in the Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone. The Danger Zone is the part of the podcast, now no longer the radio show version. So welcome to any radio listeners slash converts. Hello. Where we, you know, talk about the movie like we've all seen it. I don't, I don't know in the case of Werewolves Within how much... I really want to talk about it. I find that this movie sort of landed in that weird gray area where it wasn't quite offensive enough to really fire me up to talk badly about it. And obviously it wasn't good enough that I want to spend too much time praising things that I wasn't allowed to say before. Um, yeah. So I might let you, what, let you take the lead. <laughs> uh, what's that old saying? Like the opposite of love is, isn't hate. It's indifference. Uh, is that an old saying? I've heard it before. I mean, I've said something things. similar to that like like that's like the last thing you want to be as probably a person or, or any work of art or anything is like unimpactful like have an effect <laughs> negative or positive i guess like make an make an impression yeah yeah and this movie left you indifferent it, it does totally feel like a movie you know how we have more experience with films that have been adapted from plays and there is sometimes like a sort of a vibe that hangs over the whole thing. Like this feels like it was adapted from a play. Often that's because Mm. of like limited locations or uh, stylized dialogue or whatever. But this feels like it was adapted from a video game by which I mean, it feels very hollow and maybe would have worked better as an interactive experience. I don't know how the game was received, but it, it just doesn't work really as a movie. Yeah, like you can't have a movie with video game dialogue and expect it to succeed. You need a bit more behind it. Um, it was just super meh. I mean, the only thing, I mean, we could spoil like who the, the werewolf was. That's one thing that piss, I want to talk about what pissed me off though. Cause All right. I was advertised a comedy horror and this was distinctly lacking in anything resembling a horror plot or 
well, uh, s- scenes. Like there I was mean, some main. Yeah, exactly. There was a couple flashes of scenes, but like yeah. not enough to even be like, oh, because it was so telegraphed with the music and the lighting. Like, okay, this is a scary part now. We have to be, you know, be scared. Like, oh, they're. It's, it was so deliberate. Like, it just felt like they had like. It was almost like in a movie if they just put on different outfits for the different themes they were going for. That's what it felt like. That's how separated like the themes in this movie oh, were. Like, yeah. Oh, this is a serious scene. This is a funny scene. This is a scary scene. Oh, okay, this is a funny scene. We're all going to talk in in funny witty little quips. Like it just felt so completely separate that it was just like and they didn't do the horror well at all. Like yeah. I love I love horror comedies and just it really bums me out to see one done so poorly. And I think the question that's more important or I guess you haven't asked a question. Here's a question. Um is like have you ever watched a horror movie, a horror comedy movie, and been scared? Scared? No. But, but, but like, but like, do you get scared during horror movies? Like, I have unease. There's okay. like moments, you know, like certain films, like you know, the sinisters of the world, where you just like have yeah. Yeah. like the aura of impending ickiness. Like, it never had that vibe, you know. And given like horror comedy, I mean. Maybe not scared. Scared's yeah. not the right word, but like even like a bad like B movie horror comedy. Like look at something like the Evil Dead One or the Evil Dead Two. Like is that the both, is that Rob Zombie? No, Evil Dead. You know, old classic horror movie. Okay, uh, Sam Raimi. I want to say. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, nice. Yeah, um, very funny, but also like very gory. Very much so, like elements of horror. And slasher films and like the psychological and supernatural horror that those movies entailed, it was wrapped up in ways that were humorous, but it also had, you know, the straight up like B movie horror with, you know, blood and guts and and things like that. And like, but you know, you advertise this as kind of a creature movie and we get very, very little of the creature. And that's kind of a big bummer for me. Like if you're going to call this a werewolf movie. I got maybe 30 seconds of werewolf screen time. Fuck that. Like, yeah. No. I mean, I was more titillated by the idea of the commentary side of that. Like, and granted we should have taken a shot during this movie when he goes, there are, were- <laughs> I actually like this joke. Cause it's almost like our dude's looking at the, uh, the camera when he says it, he's like, okay guys, like there might be werewolves within the house, <laughs> which is right. like squeezing in the name of the, the name of the movie. But it was so um, blatant that I thought it was maybe intentional misdirection to like, Werewolves within all of us, which they do talk about briefly, but I think the introduction of an actual werewolf kind of diffuses all of that tension. Not that it was real tension anyways, just getting back to the point I was going to make. Like, horror comedy movies are not scary, but sometimes they can be funny, and there is, like, a sense of dread, maybe for your character's well-beings. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of a straight-up horror movie that does introduce comedy as a way of sort of counteracting or, or even like s- sort of using a, a comedic jab to set sort of a horror hook later on like that, that tension and release works really well, but I'm, I don't even know that I've ever been scared or uneasy or whatever from any horror comedy. So I think to hold to that standard isn't correct, but that doesn't mean I don't think it's bad. Yeah. But I think if you're going to call something a horror comedy, it should definitely have either more of a creature or more violence you know, a little bit more blood, like something yes. to to tie in that horror totally. genre. Okay, here it is, and, Cabin in the Woods. That's that's the 
maybe not oh, the totally. benchmark, but like there's yeah. there's scary maybe tropes. There are definitely tropes in that movie, but they're they're effective and scary. Like there's a scene where Cabin. Can you find out what year Cabin in the Woods came out for me? Um, yeah, that movie came out, and there was there was a scene where this jock. It's actually Chris Hemsworth, I think, before he got bigger in every sense. He's having sex with his girlfriend in the in the woods or whatever, and like we know there's these like undead creatures coming to kill them, and it creates a real sense of dread. But then, of course, they, it goes down in a really funny way. That movie is a great horror comedy. I'd say that's probably my top five. I can't believe I forgot about it until just now. Yeah, and that came out in 2011. I was going to say 2013. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, and that had so much uh, comedy mixed with the horror, but the comedy was injected kind of behind the scenes where you had all these people in suits and ties in like the office job. Yeah. You know, like so betting good. on the monster pool. Like that was a great angle to introduce comedy because they were like going about it like it's, you know, it's their job and they just have a very nonchalant, like gallows humor way about it. Dude. Yeah. yeah. But so that movie's from the, mostly from the perspective of the people being horrorized right um where yeah. if you as if you take another horror you just comedy, make up a word there but let's let's coin that thing um tucker and dale versus evil which is yes. from the perspective of the quote-unquote scary thing which is another great way it's like a new it's just telling something in a new way is awesome and that one is scary but only to the people that are scared in this in the film like we as the audience yeah. are like these idiot college kids but right. they are actually scared and some of those scenes that they have in that movie are really committed to being scary but we're in on the joke so it's not scary to us and i think that is still an effective horror comedy even though i as a viewer am not scared exactly but yeah. still effective yeah, but and that introduced all the elements of horror you had someone being scared but 100%. you also had had the violence wood and like chipper. the crazy death yeah. scenes yes. the wood chipper but also so funny you and me could totally cosplay as tucker and dale yeah, I don't remember who's who, but I know who we'd be. I know uh, what we'd Alan, Alan, you could be Alan Tudyk's character. Okay, Tudyk, however the hell you say his name. Tudyk, and all, I think. Obviously. Yeah. Tudyk? Yeah, I think it's Tudyk. All right. Either way, he's great. He's so funny. Um, yeah. But like yeah. To, to your point, that's that's like even if I'm not scared by the thing on screen, I think what you're suggesting is that if they're advertising this as some type of horror adjacent film, you need to have uh, horror elements. And in this case, it should have been a werewolf. Werewolves can be yeah. scary, and you're right. We do get the werewolf, which, by the way, not a great, not a great monster design uh, for no. like, for like four to maybe five minutes of screen time at the end. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yeah, it was a bummer. I was really hoping to see more of the werewolf, also. Yeah, I mean, they could have introduced it earlier in the film too to like confirm that there is a werewolf. Well, that's like, the thing, like, because I thought they were suggesting there is no werewolf. We we are the werewolves collectively, yeah. which would have been fine yeah. too. But then it's like, nope, we're gonna deflate that real quick, and there is a werewolf. Y'all been duped. I'm like, I have, but not in the way you wanted me to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what grinded my gears the most about this is that like. I wanted it to either be funnier or more of a horror yeah. or a better whodunit. And I just, it just wasn't. So bad movie, uh, bad, bad movie. Just to be clear, if anybody uh, hasn't seen it, just wants to know, cause you're the kind of person that needs to know it was the girl. It was Cecily. She was the werewolf. Yeah. And okay. if you aren't familiar with that actress, she is mostly famous from AT&T commercials. Oh, that's so weird. Cause I did recognize her, but I didn't even put in the effort to try to connect that again. It's, uh, Mil Here we go. Milana Vantrub. Mm-hmm. Also, if you were looking at the main character, Finn Wheeler, Sam Richardson is the actor's name. And you're like, why is mm -hmm. he familiar? For me, and I haven't fact-checked this, but I'm pretty sure he played, um, Winston, uh, was it Winston's partner? Winston's partner on New Girl, whose name was Dunstan. Mm. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to look it up. But it doesn't matter. Do it. I'm good on this movie if you are. Yeah, I think I'm done. 
Um, so then let's put it to bed. Do you want to just give one more? If people want to hear, they're just tuning in. Just email us if you have thoughts on this, I guess. You want to tell them where one more time or no? The, the email that we've said 50 times already. But maybe people skipped over it from the radio and they've forgotten since. Um, FHCcast at hotmail69.com. <laughs> You're bad without a script. Um, I'm just looking. I can't find... Uh, I can't find his his credits. Man, he's actually been a lot of stuff. Um, I'm going to assume that I'm right. So we'll just say that Sam Richardson was in New Girl. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure I'm right. There it is. Boom. Dunstan. I am a genius. Okay. Moving right along. <laughs> Moving right along. Should we do our second beer? Yeah, I'd really love to. Have you taken your lactose pill, sir? Not yet. I'm going to take it with my first sip because... I love that. You're just like, let's go for it. <laughs> Yep. You're like not giving it a chance to get to your stomach. And I don't know what that pill does for you, but like you're just sending it down with the poison. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Spoonful of lactose sugar in this case. So this is another beer that I picked up from Crux. It's called Shakeside. It's a stout. I didn't notice that it was uh, a lactose uh, based beer. So it's a 5% stout. Here's what they say on their website. Never satisfied by mere repetition. We decided to shake things up with this sessionable stout brewed with lactose, sugar, and malted rye, a blend of both sweet and dry stoutly traditions, rumbling with chocolatey undertones and subtle hints of spice. This is a smooth and creamy ale of seismic juxtapositions. I do not traditionally like session stouts at all. I never heard the term before. Yeah, it's. I'm super skeptical about this beer big time just because... I don't really, if I'm drinking a stout, I don't really care if it's 5%. Like, it, it, I don't care if it's not, it doesn't need to be 5%. I think there should be low ABV versions of every type of beer style because sometimes I don't want to drink a 15.9% stout with 90,000 donuts brewed in the mash. Sometimes I just want like the, the toastiness of a malt that isn't going to, of a roasted malt that isn't going to put me out for the night, you know? I guess. Now, whether or not this beer is going to hold up to having that flavor profile and that sort of humph uh, mm-hmm. with at only 5% is is going to still to be seen, but I, I don't mind the premise. Well, I'm taking my pill. Here we go. Okay. As you do that, I have poured mine. It looks like a normal style. It's pretty bubbly, though. There's like a pretty good amount of large bubbles in the head, which is sticking around in pretty, uh, pretty dominant fashion here. I'm drinking mine out of, by the way, a 16-ounce tulip glass, which is not ideal, but it's fine. Surely you've had your pill. I have had my pill. And you've had, had the first sip. So thoughts? Hmm. Super thin. Very watery. Um, I definitely get, you know, some roastiness, some toastiness, a little bit of chocolate. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they put lactose in this at all. It yeah. didn't make it much creamier. It's still very effervescent. Uh, it's it's super thin, super bubbly. Um, and it has a very metallic finish. Not going to lie. It's it's a little tin canny on mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm almost inclined to think that like the lactose is doing a lot of work here. Like I, we don't have a side by side of what it would have been like without lactose, but I almost think like maybe they had a lactose because the initial beer was like even thinner than this. Jeez. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm, yeah, I'm with you. A lot of those flavors are right. Like there is something a bit metallic about it and it is pretty thin. I don't dislike it though. It reminds me a bit of Sierra Nevada's stout, their West coast stout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like if if you're gonna bother making a milk stout, though, it should have a, a more enjoyable and creamy mouthfeel. Um, yes, or probably. else why why bother? That would be my my take on that. And that's not just because I can't have it. Like, 
if you put an ingredient in it and advertise it as a, a hybrid milk stout, then um, it should do the things that a milk stout does. Yeah, I didn't mention this, but the IBUs they had listed was uh, 40. And comparing that to Sierra Nevada's West Coast Stout, which has an IBU of 50 and an ABV of 5.8, this is actually pretty close. Um, so I feel good about my comparison. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this actually reminds me way more of Sierra Nevada's Porter. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with the Porter, but I could see you being correct. I wonder what they're, uh, see if I can do some digging and see what hops they use in this, because I bet you they're close. Yeah, more than likely. Sierra Nevada um, uses Bravo Cascade and Yakima Golding. In the stout? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm pretty meh on this beer. It's not really doing it for me. Um, I mean, most quote-unquote session stouts that I've ever had have kind of run into the same problems. Like, I, I mean, I would like this beer more if it didn't have that little tiny, you know, that meta- metallic yeah. aftertaste. Yeah. But also... It, yeah, the whole fact that it's a milk stout and it's not executing in milk stout style is really, it doesn't work for me. Yeah, they also put in their description subtle hints of spice, which is, I think, can be a cop out of a word because it's snooty enough where if you don't taste it, they're like, well, we said it was subtle. Maybe you don't have a mm-hmm. refined palate, sir, or right. madam, or something in between. You, Whatever. Like, I don't know. It's it's good enough. Um, I'm not expecting a ton out of a, a session stout, I guess. Um, nor just a low ABV stout in general. I do think that the most pernicious of these taste jumping out is that sort of metallic bitterness that comes through mostly on the back end. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. Like I'm gonna. I drink hate mine. it. Oh, you hate it? Yes. Yeah, no, I have yeah. escalated or de-escalated yeah. quickly. No, um, I just took. I just took another sip. And it's it. so fucking watery. Mm. It's just so watery. See, this. I don't know exactly what mindset I need to be in, but whenever I drink a beer like this, and by that I sort of mean like a bitter, malt-forward, sort of thinner beer, like like it's like some porters, it makes me picture this very specific tavern, not real, except in my brain, and the the angry sort of thick, thick-ish bartender with a big old mustachio is, is pouring horns of this through a cask. It's not even cold. And then he like mm. slams it on the counter, and like that's, this is like an ale that you drink with with roast mutton. I don't even know what roast mutton is, but I read it in books and it's with ale like this. That's how I picture it tasting. Yeah, like a stew, like a hearty yeah, stew. Yeah, like in the winter time to get you through, like you would drink flagons of it. I, what's a flagon? Like these words it's are a, just coming to my brain because <laughs> of this beer. Like I have, I don't know what flagon, mutton, uh, I don't know, but this is the kind of thing that would go with or in those things. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I like a traditional porter or, you know, stout, but this is like just, it's just not a good representation of that for me. I mean, I could never drink it again and be fine. That said, I do have about five more of them in my garage, so I'll probably drink them. There you go. Uh, Okay. Shakeside Stout, sir, from Crux. Out of 10, what you got? Mm, It's like a 2.5. It's pretty rough. Um, Yeah. I really dislike this beer for all the reasons I just said. Yeah. It's just... It's simply too thin, and it tastes like pennies. And uh, yeah, all right, it's just for, not. It's not good for me. It's a. It's a four. Like it's below average, I think. But I'd still drink it. I still will drink mine. It's. It's. I'm not gonna get it again. It's good enough. I think it's. It's definitely on the. Uh, on the on the scale of Crux beers, it's on on the less amazing side. Fair enough. Hot and bothered. Hot and bothered. Hot and bothered. 
Welcome to Hot and Bothered. This is the part of the show, if you've never heard it before, where we 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 veer away from beer and film and we talk about kind of what's going on in our weeks. Sometimes those things are beer and film. Yeah. What's going, what's, uh, been going on with you? Well, I had a couple of fun things happen. Uh, this last weekend was my dad's 78th birthday. Right. Cool. A big 78. He's still going strong, man. But we had a, a bit of a, a shindig for him. Uh, I kind of put the whole thing together and I rented a theater and... He wanted to go see Jungle Cruise, which I think is just adorable. And uh, my parents brought a few of their friends, and my sisters made it with their kids. Uh, and we all got together and had a bite to eat before, and then uh, had a private theater. Yes. And they all dressed up in jungle uh, safari mm-hmm. attire, uh, like some people are persuaded to do. It was tremendous. Uh but had a great time. Got to really treat my dad. Uh, he's the reason that I watched movies as a child. And uh, it's something that we've always bonded over. So it was really cool to be able to make some memories and rent him out his own theater. And it was just a hoot getting to watch him laugh and eat popcorn and be a silly goose at the movies. So that was definitely the highlight of my weekend. And it was fun watching Jungle Cruise again. That's just a fun movie. Good. Yeah. I think you covered that. Was it three weeks ago? Maybe. Yeah. Sweet. Oh, yeah. you know what? And so, okay, good. And it was just as good the second time? <laughs> yeah, it was okay. fun, man. I mean, that movie's exactly what you think it is. It was It was a good time. And it was more fun, like, watching it with my nieces, who are just, like, both under eight. Yeah. You know? Totally. So they were running around and watching the movie, and he's made of honey. It was really funny. I still haven't seen uh, it. Yeah, it was good. Um, so that, and I've uh, been listening to a new record. I'm going to get back Ooh, to this. I'm, I used to highlight, a, yeah, I used to highlight a new record every week. Um, so I have been listening to a record called Typhoons. It's from a band that I got turned on to, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, a band called Royal Blood. Okay. Um, they are kind of a more straight up, like, rock and roll band um meets like muse they definitely have strong muse oh, vibes of just like big in scale but they also have like a bit grittier sound at times like straight up like riff driven rock and roll but it's all yeah. very accessible very catchy they've like got really good choruses uh but i was actually uh drawn to this album called typhoons because it was excuse me, produced uh, and recorded by someone I'm a big fan of, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age and mm. a few other bands. Uh, so his thumbprints are all, fingerprints, thumb, not just his thumbs. I mean, all his the whole, finger, who cares? Yeah, All the fingers. All his fingerprint, <laughs> fingerprints are all over this record. Yeah. So if you're a fan of like Muse meets Queens of the Stone Age type stuff, I think you would really like it. Uh, it's great driving music. Uh, it's definitely, some of it's, you know, sing-alongable uh, but it also has some really tight grooves and some killer riffs, and it's just super clean, tight production. Uh, so, yeah, if you are into that sort of thing, you should check them out. Yeah, we'll put the uh, the link to that album in the show notes. If you'd like it, scroll down on your little whatever podcast player. Just Sometimes you can't see it on Apple Podcasts, but like scroll down to the description, and if you're interested in that type of music, there will be a link to it waiting for you right there. I do have one hot this week, which is I was invited to a birthday party at CalSkate which yes. uh, it was sort of tangential. Like I was invited by some friends who's, I think that, I think it was their, their niece having a birthday party. And I had just talked about going to Calisca cause I'd never been, uh, we was had a, Kyle. No, it was my friends, Ben and Sam of the sun followers. They're, they're a music duo here in town. 
And Weird. Um, we had a Roller got, King in Modesto. I got, oh, I, oh, I know. I'll, I'll segue to what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah. So and I wanted to go the night before, but I couldn't find anyone to go with me. Slash the timing was wrong. So I had a show later that day, whatever. Um, so Ben and Sam were sweet enough to be like, Hey, do you want to, you want to come to this? Like it's open skating basically, but, but our niece happens or our cousin or niece or something happens to be having a birthday party. Um, I was like, well, sure. So like a bunch of us went and like Kyle showed up my our friend Kyle and he actually ended up going back for the, the adults, like the adult skate session later that <laughs> yeah. evening. And I'm sure he, yep. yeah, it sounds like he reached out and invited you. I was invited to the adult skate and I was still nursing the knee injury or else I would yeah. have probably been all over it. Dude, yeah, I was working or I would have gone because because the thing about going to an open skate in a place that is primarily populated by children and their parents eating pizza on the side is that when you try to go hone your skate skills, you're very at risk of, I think, probably killing a child. By the way, when I got there, I was like, all right, I'm gonna be pretty good. Like I've been on roller skates now or roller blades for like a few days. Like I can totally keep up. And then the moment I got there, they closed off the rink to have a... Like a fast skate. Like anybody wants to do a fast skate, come out. So I didn't do it because I hadn't warmed up slash I'm out of shape. And I tell you, dude, some of these children are so fast. Like they're doing crossovers and like spins and like just zipping by. Uh, So I'm like, okay, I am clearly not good enough for this. So when I would be skating, I was like confident enough that I could stay up and like go a little fast and steer. But there were some times where like a kid would just zip right in front of me or around me. And I I thought I was going to crash. So, so the appeal of going to an adult skate night where at least we're all on the same page, like, Hey, we're all, you know, we're all a little out of shape. So like, maybe yeah. if we bump into each other, we can get over, you can't bump into a five-year-old and be like, you get it. Right. Yeah. Um, so it sounded like a lot of fun. I'd like to go back for another adult skate night on the Saturday, but I work so many Saturdays it's difficult, but I did have fun that day. It was a blast and I'm very sore. Maybe we'll, we'll rent out the, the roller rink for a, like a Patreon. Holy <laughs> mackerel, that'd be fun. I I'll look. I will look into that. Let's go, man. The ba- and they have uh, mini golf. We could go mini golfing. I would love that. I much Let's, prefer that to to large golfing. Yeah, I like mini golf a lot. Let's go play mini golf sometime. Let's go now. That'd be fun as shit. I have a dinner thing in like two hours, so we could totally play mini golf for for the sake of transitioning out of this episode. Let's go now. All right, let's go. Okay, as usual, this show wouldn't be what it is without <laughs> support of Bailey Minardi, all of our friends slash family on Patreon. Of course, thank you to The Handlebar for your constant support. Thank you, average listener, who, until you send us an email, we will not know your identity, uh, for listening. We we really like this show. We'd probably do it if nobody listened, but the fact that people do makes at least me very happy. Me, of course, being Max Minardi. That's right. And me, Johnny Summers. Be sure to drink beer that makes you happy. Watch movies that make you happy. And be good to each other. Love you, Max. We'll see you next week. Love you, buddy. Talk to you later. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.